Once more for scaring and sharing. <laughs> How unenthusiastic can I be? It uh, is early Sunday morning. So yeah, this I intro. It. Yeah, I'm just tired, man. It's been a crazy week. I am the ever-loving original Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Ruz. And I am the ever-loving Flame and Scream Queen, Brandy <laughs> Joe Planbeck. And this is a podcast where we share frightful views and scary news with each other and you. I, <laughs> you I'm guys not... are getting the sloppy loose opening this time. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Sloppy and loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it can be good that way. Yeah, but we're a horror movie podcast and Jeremy and I just talk about, you know, life scary movie things then we assign each other a movie we've not seen it before we watch them and we come back and we talk about them with each other and you okay and it's awesome oh my god it is just like totally awesome so awesome (laughs) so awesome so we're recording it's you know tomorrow's halloween oh my god i know when they get this they being the listeners halloween will have come and gone yeah, by the time they hear this. But right now, we're like right on the cusp. We're recording on Devil's Night for any, right. uh, you know, Metro Detroit people that know what that is. Because it was regional, I've learned over the years. <laughs> um, yeah. What do, you, what do you got planned? Anything you're going to be uh, doing? Well, I went to like my one and only Halloween party last night. It is sort of a yearly thing. <laughs> I didn't go for a couple years after getting sober just because it was always like a very drunken drug fueled night not like because oh, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. else was i mean everyone else was like drinking but like for me it was always for about you, like yeah. being hopped up on adderall and being up until like the wee hours yeah. um so i think last year was the first year i went and like was 100 percent just like great like had no issues like i i waited until i felt comfortable which is you know which is what you should do yeah 100 percent and so last night, um, so the last year I went and I was a Care Bear. And last night I went and had a, like two costumes. I had like a callback costume to something last year. And then I was also like a Winnie, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which was very cold out by a campfire with my big belly hanging out. But um, it was fun. <laughs> but my fa- last year, my favorite costume, there was a camp counselor and a Jason Voorhees couple, this gay couple. Um, th- they did that. And last night they were Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. And I was like, you guys continue to like knock it out of the park. Oh, that's awesome. And then on top of it, we watch Halloween 4 and 1. Um, oh. And and someone was like, why isn't there 2 and 3? And I'm like, I know this answer because my podcast host told me. But it's like something about the production rights and that the people who own 1 and 4, but the 2 and 3 aren't under the same umbrella. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but yeah. I can't remember everything. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of it. Like when the, if it's if it's being like screened by somebody, usually the rights issues are what the big problem is, because like so many different studios have been involved in making that series. Yeah, but I was like, I kind of know this answer, although to me, yeah. really sloppy and loose answer, because that's the way we are. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but All it right. was fun, and I'm I'm glad to be able to go back to Halloween parties. And I mean, I just have some Red Bull, which this morning I feel a little like it's a, feel a little hungover, just not like a hungover like in the past. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean because so that's what, like a, yeah, that's becoming my party. You know, usually at, when I go to a party, it's like tons of caffeine is what i end up like pounding which is yeah. not a problem i love caffeine but that late because that then i can't sleep <laughs> and then the next day i feel like shit because i can't fall asleep when i because i'm so yeah. wired up on coffee or red bull or whatever the hell i was drinking so yeah so that's it for me and then mm-hmm. misery i have misery today and tomorrow they're both very packed houses which is a delight so yeah that's me what about you what have you been doing what are you going to do so i've had what i thought was a pretty solid week leading into halloween and my joke has been to i'm like costume parties that's amateur hour the real freaks celebrate halloween by going to death metal shows so i'm very tired but oh right i think <laughs> i saw it on your stories where did you go early in the, earlier in the week for so first off, early in the week, so that would have been like, I, I can't even remember the days anymore. But first, early in the week, uh, my buddy and I went to see Guar. So those that know, right. and know Guar. Oh, my uh, God. It was on. I got 
covered in fake blood because I was like, I got to make my way to up towards the front so I can get sprayed <laughs> down with everything. Uh, and it was just, it felt like a big old party. It was just a ton of fun. Guar, I'm glad they're still, they've been going for like 30 plus years now as a band. They're still going. It's still awesome. Uh, so that was fun. So let me ask some questions though, because in my mind, like if I think of going to a concert, I'm going to like Tegan and Sarah, right? There's a bunch of gays, a bunch of friendly lesbians. Everyone is just like, oh my God, I love these girls. And like, that's like the vibe. Uh-huh. And when I think about the audience at a Guar concert, I feel the vibe's very different, but like, are people nice? Are people yeah. just like, I want to fucking eat people? <laughs> like, what is the vibe like? <laughs> so like metal shows generally... Um, cause that's the thing people see the images of the, the violent, you know, uh, if you will reaction to the music, cause people yeah. are moshing and going crazy and just losing their shit. Uh, but generally it's like just a big hangout. Um, for the most part, you know, it's still pretty like, depending on the band, I would say Guar was still a little more like macho and bro cause there's the older generation of people that are stereotypically a little, you know, more reserved or, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? But old school in their thinking. But there's there was a lot of young people there and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of new generations. So it was like across the board from Gen X and probably a little older all the way down to like, you know, teenagers there at the show. But okay. people are just there because they love the same band and having fun. So um, sometimes there's a shithead in the, you know, in the pit that's just trying to knock people down and be mean but usually the crowd polices that pretty well at most shows they take care of those people so now i remember first hearing about them like in the 90s they were on like jerry springer or it was some mm-hmm. talk show yes and yeah they wore big like styrofoam or foam costume latex yeah is costumes. that still a thing yes or they they, la- oh, okay they are still fully committed to the mythology they are not people they are space monsters that came oh. to this planet uh, got trapped here and they've been playing rock and roll for us ever since they discovered that that was a thing they could do. I did not know that was the backstory. Yeah. And that's the story. Like years ago, they lost, and I can't believe it's this been this long, but in 2014, uh, Dave Brocky, who played the character Odorous, who's probably who you saw on those talk <laughs> shows yelling at people, um, he was their front man and their like main, you know, mastermind of the band, but he died in 2014. Um, and so there, for a minute, there was a question about like, what's the band going to do? Like the band was always meant to be bigger than the individual members by the sake of, you know, them dressing up as monsters and playing characters. Like part of it was any guitarist could jump in there and, you know, replace somebody if they couldn't be there sort of thing. Okay. Um, but, uh, he was so only one guy played that character and, you know, he was so known as the mouthpiece of the band. They're like, what are we going to do? But they continued on another guy from back in the day, stepped back in, created a new character. And the mythology was that Odorous had died and they were continuing on without him. So uh, it's kind of lovely how they made it work within their whole internal logic of the band. Now, when you say something about being covered in blood, like, do they spray blood or did you go covered in blood? Oh, they spray it. Okay. Because so it's like out- an Evil Dead the Musical situation. Like they just like fucking splatter zone these people. Absolutely. Because they bring out uh, they bring out other monsters that they have to fight like while they're playing. So they like chop off like faces and some blood starts spraying out of it. They you know they kill whatever uh, dick politicians of the moment are going on. So they've been like for years they've been cycling through all kinds of political and public figures that they just mutilate on stage like effigies of them. So uh it's it's a lot of fun. Interesting. And that Okay. And yeah, you had another that's concert. only the beginning. Because then on Friday, uh this past Friday I went to so like my all-time favorite band is the Black Dahlia Murder. Uh, they are a death metal band from Detroit. So they're hometown heroes and they've been, you know, playing. They started around the time I was in high school. So I grew up like listening to this band and they were one of those, you know, little bands that could, they broke and became, uh, as big as you can be within, you know, death metal's pretty niche, uh, still an underground thing, but you know, they've become like recent had become recent mega stars over the years of like the death metal scene internationally. But, tragically earlier this year their lead singer uh uh passed um and it left the band totally like he had become himself almost like a 
modern icon of death metal like people everyone knew who trevor sternad was he was very visible in the death metal world and uh you know on podcasts and writing articles for websites and stuff but uh with him gone uh through the band into doubt they didn't know what they were going to do but they reformed uh restructured the band their guitarist that's been there forever has stepped up to now be the lead singer and the front man and uh they've come back together and friday night was their memorial show for Trevor where they played like a greatest hit set of all their music. Uh, it was sold out. It was crazy and awesome. Uh, and just, again, like I said, perfect. I don't know something about the death metal and the Halloween vibe. It was absolutely perfect. People were just going totally bonkers. So is it like a memorial tour or it was literally one show that was for now, just that one show. And they had like, you know, they had, uh, photos out and all kinds of stuff and people were chanting trevor's name at it and it was they killed it though so i'm excited for this this version of the band uh i think they have like a couple more shows booked but not till next year so i think they're gonna take it slow but i hope they keep going because it was an electric set it was awesome (laughs) and was it like emotional and like you know like a it really a sad was way? like were there yeah it really in a powerful was, way like that in a yeah. powerful way in a like therapeutic way for everybody too because you could tell the band when they did speak you know to the crowd it was a big deal for them uh to be doing it um and i said that it, it's funny too because again like you were saying with death metal you think the vibe is just like oh let's go nuts and kill each other but like i was just talking to everybody around me i was joking with people it was like a party time vibe there uh, and then at the end of the show, too, like after listening to all this, you know, lyrically, the music is about devils and monsters and mayhem. Uh, but at the end, they're just like, you know, thanks for everyone coming out. It meant a lot. And take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. You know, it just had a positive vibe over the whole thing. So it was great. That's fucking awesome. And so that that led into my Halloween weekend. <laughs> Yesterday, my brother and I, a little more chill, we went to see Fathom, you know, Fathom events. We see the fucking trailers all the time at the movie theater. Uh, yesterday, they had a screening double feature of Creature from the Black Lagoon and the 1943 Phantom of the Opera with Claude oh Rains. I was going to send that to you. I saw that and I... I like totally blanked or forgot. Uh huh. That's well, of course. Of do not course worry. We went, we, <laughs> we went to see it, and it was it was a lot of fun to sit there and watch those. I'd never seen that Phantom of the Opera, so that was uh, that was a good way to see it for the first time on a movie screen. So, wow, that's awesome. Well, good. Were they? Was there anything new you gleaned from them? Um, no, man. I mean, Creature is just. I love it. And watching it on a like a giant screen too, I'm like, I think that really improves like uh, uh, the experience of these movies. And it was like not a sold out theater, but there was a lot of people in the theater too. So like everyone was laughing at you know the little jokes here or there, and like reacting in a fun way. So it was it was cool to see one of these old movies, but with an audience like reacting together to it. So uh, that that was a new experience because I don't think I've ever had that. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, Terrifier 2 continues to, like, baffle the box office. Like, this week, it went up again in, like, its cume yes. so far, which is just amazing. And this one article, I I mean, there was a great article about the New York Times. Like, yeah. I mean, it's getting all the attention, and I love that it is. But this Me one too. article's like, yeah, it was put into theaters for a couple of days. Like, why the hell not? And then it just, like... You know, people were just like going in droves to see it. And it's then that the mouth. And it's just like so fucking crazy. That's that it costs how, so little to make. That's how it used to work. Like that's the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, it just, it was a small, it, it was an indie film for its time. And now it's, you know, a cultural touchstone. So this is how it begins. So maybe Terrifier in like 40 years is going to be this massive like IP where they're selling toys of art and T-shirts <laughs> everywhere that people are just like, ah, it's been around forever. So I'm all for it. I do just love mm-hmm. art. And I, I forgot to mention on our last episode, Teacher Drew talked about how he thought the story was stronger in the first one and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But I think the story is so much more fleshed out and strong and I'm just like more driven by it in the second one. I forgot yeah. to talk about that the last time. But Yeah, t- Terrifier too, man. I've been thinking about it since I watched it and I'm like, that's just yeah. a 
What an awesome movie. <laughs> it is. It's so fun. And another thing, um, someone I, like in a thread that I was talking about it in, someone's like, it feels like one of those movies I would have rented from the video store back in the day with my buddies. And we would have just like, like, just like eaten pizza and watched it and be like, oh my God, this is so fucking crazy. And it, does, it has that like vibe of like that video you would have rented from the video store. Like, like you've talked about, you know, you just want to rent like the craziest shit with yeah. your friends and be like, what can we watch? It's crazy. What's so great. Gross and over the top, and we can just, you know, clown on it if we need to. That's it. That's <laughs> that is it. That. While we don't have any terrograms this week, please feel mm. free. We'd love to hear from you. Scaring us sharing at gmail.com. Dive into our Instagram, scaring us sharing. But I do just want to say I'm gonna send out some love to teacher Drew. I'm just I'm just gonna do it, okay? I'm just gonna do it because we love teacher Drew and um and he's always in our hearts, okay? He's one of our most steadfast supporters. <laughs> He's so great. Um, but yes, so Jeremy, aside from the Halloween movies last night, which, you know, some of them were sort of like, it was kind of like in and out, but like mm-hmm. still it was fun to have them on at a Halloween party, especially with someone dressed like Michael Myers and Laurie. Yeah, running around. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so great. Um, but aside from that, I watched The Innocence this week and not the old school one with Deborah Kerr. Yeah, that like new one. The new Norwegian one. Is it based on the same thing no, as the old one? Oh, okay. That's, it, it's just you know the what, title is similar. Yeah. Okay. You know what it reminds me of? Do you remember that movie Chronicle? Yeah. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted so much more out of it. It was like a, like a found footage thing about like this kid getting like powers, essentially. Yeah. I remember Chronicle being like a cool starting point. I thought it was going to like launch careers, but actually when you read about anyone like involved with making it the directors and the writer it they're not they have not gone anywhere really so and it was like a cool concept and there were some cool visuals in it but like i just remember it not being great it was fine yeah but the innocence is fucking awesome there's it's about these like four little kids and the kids are so good i mean all four of them are just so so good and it's a similar sort of thing like they sort of have individual different sort of powers and it's just but it's so the way that it's filmed and created and directed and acted it just feels so different than like any hollywood movie i mean and it's not a hollywood movie it's a norwegian movie but like it's i mean it's glossy might be the wrong word but it's very well done it doesn't look rough it it's very visually like pleasing and exciting but but it just feels so much more unique than so many other stories like that it just and the kids are some of them are very young and just so real they just seem so real it's yeah it's a really cool little flick it's a i think a shutter original so you can find it there and um yeah it's awesome i highly recommend it sometimes you need to get out of the hollywood machine to get something really like I mean, like the concept is not entirely because what concept is totally original, but uh, just to see like a fresh take on something because Hollywood, you know, focus groups and test screens things into oblivion until they're just totally uh, bland and tasteless. So it's got to be so exhausting being a part of the Hollywood machine. Like, because I know it's all about money and giving people what they want. Yep, got to hit that high Q score. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus, God, it's got to just like for someone who is driven by creativity and vision, it has got to be just like it's got to be hard on your soul. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like the only way to get control is like, okay, I have to make like several things that are giant hits before they'll even trust me to like just do what I want to do. So, yeah, it's a it's an uphill battle. But I still feel that if your property is managed by a large company, you're still going to run into those. Well, we got to have test screenings. Oh, they didn't. That didn't score well. Oh, we're And it's like, how, how can you say like, even if you do a couple of scores, I mean, sure, that's probably like a decent amount of people, but. It's not it's not the overall public. <laughs> no, and that's they say that's where those things will fail you sometimes. Like if you end up with a test audience that's like for some reason this sampling of people really loved this thing and then you release it and like most audiences are like this is crap. Like I don't know why you were who were you testing to you know get the uh, temperature for this thing. So it happens from time to time. But all of that being said, I would love to be a part of those audiences. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, when do I get to be in a test screening? I want to, you know, because they tested the hell out of Halloween ends. I would have loved to have been in one of those to see these like 
Because if you go on Reddit and read about it, there was like radically different versions of the movie that were being tested with like totally odd alternate scenes and endings and stuff. So it would have been yeah. cool one of those. It really would be. And hopefully someday, you know, we'll be a part of that. That's right. Um, Did you watch Cabinet of Curiosities? Not yet. I've been. I watched I, the first one. I was sitting there waiting on it. I have been watching the new Unsolved Mysteries stuff, though. Okay, did cool. you watch the UFO one? Yeah, it's so amazing. It was so great. Was Aliens are so freaking real, people. Just watch that episode, and you'll be <laughs> like, "How is this not for real?" Uh, for sure. There's like, like when I watch that, like, because we talked about that one that was on last season, where like yeah. all the people have time lapses. I'm kind of like, mm. yeah. But this one is of the generation of them having like 911 calls and all of this stuff, and I'm just like, and radar is not like. There's no denying that. Like mm-hmm. there was something going on there. Yes, for sure. So, yeah, I think I watched the first two, or maybe the first three, because there's also another Michigan one Mm -hmm. where that girl disappears. Is that the Michigan one with the train tracks? Or did you watch that one? I did watch that one, too. That was wild. uh, There was another Michigan one. I can't remember if it was that one. Yeah, was was... that? No, 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 no. There was one where the man, his body was found in Ohio. Right. Right, 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 right. But it happened in Michigan. Yes. Uh, Thank you. That that was was a sad and crazy story, Uh, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you find a sleeping bag that's heavy and there's something inside of it, go yeah. away. <laughs> Those highway workers were right where they were like, we decided not to open it and just called the police. And I'm like, yeah, correct. That is the correct maneuver. There. <laughs> Never that. open a heavy no. sleeping bag taped up. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. But do call the police. That mm-hmm. is that's a good thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think that there's anything else that I have watched. Oh, I did watch um, for my husband's podcast, Three Funny Ladies. Go check it out. They watched uh, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. I think that's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the new one. Yeah, did you watch the new, that? The newest cartoon. No, but I've been hearing you know fun things about it. So It's I'm, fun. There is a lesbian. Velma is lesbian in it and okay. so adorable. It's just played so so sweetly like a way that like you know i'm sure some fucking right-wing people have some issues with it but it isn't she she definitely is like thirst trap velma but it isn't like inappropriate you know it's just sweet she's just like like there's another character another female that she's just sort of you know googly-eyed over and it's it's just adorable i really love that aspect in the it's like they leaned into like I remember as a kid, isn't that what people said all the time anyway, growing up about the cartoon that Velma was a lesbian? Obviously, like I think that's something people have said. Yeah, but over they the years, lean so. into it a little bit. So just like yeah. yeah, doing something with it is fun because it doesn't. It's just representation matters, yeah. and uh, it doesn't hurt anybody. So Matthew Lillard is one of the voices. Like he's like oh the he's best voice. A- as yep. Shaggy, yep, yeah, yeah, he's pretty much he's replaced Casey Kasem, you know, now as Shaggy, and that's just incredible. I love that. I didn't know that that's who did it before. Yeah, Casey Kasem was oh the God, original never knew Shaggy. That. Yep. Wow. He didn't do it all because there's like a time. There's a time period where I think like Billy West was in there for a minute. Uh, another famous voice actor, Fry from Futurama. Um, but he was in there as Shaggy in some of the like cartoon movies for a minute. But when Matthew Lillard did the movie. Uh, the live action movie and everybody like responded really positively to it. He was like, I'll just keep being Shaggy. You can put me in the cartoons and stuff. I'll do it. So yeah, he very, that was a very smart career move for him. That's fun. Yeah. I dig that. I dig Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Did you watch anything else? Oh, wait, I have one bit of horror news and I'm sure I have some news too, that I feel like people, if they're like screaming at their podcast where they're like, Jeremy, how'd you miss this? But I got a couple things. Start it. Why? Okay. Couple things. Uh, these are now like weeks old, and I kept forgetting about them until I've read more articles about it. So, number one, for the video game people out there, uh, Silent Hill is coming back in a big way. Like, that's a, if you're familiar at all, and I'm sure you know the movies uh, they did, but, uh, you know, very beloved video game series. Um, very freaky games. I loved the playing those in college, the old ones, but. Um, it's been dormant for a long time. Like, I don't think there's been a game for like a decade now or something like that. Uh, I don't know why. I guess the company didn't know what to do with it anymore or whatever, but they're coming back. They're making a new silent, uh, actually two new silent Hill video games and they're making a new movie. Okay. Which is going to be called return to silent Hill. Uh, it's got Christoph Gans who directed the first movie coming back to do it. Uh, and he says, it's uh, you know, it's not like, 
I guess it's a, Silent Hill is weird in that it's kind of like David Lynch like in that they're all connected to each other. But at the same time, they're really not because it's like alternate, you know, universes and realities and shit, whatever. Um, but he's doing a uh, a new movie. Uh, continuing the movie series and it's going to be based on the game silent hill 2 specifically which is like the most beloved one of the whole series so okay i'm kind of excited for that i dig the first silent hill movie i did just rewatch it too after hearing the the news and i'm like i'm gonna go back revisit silent hill since one of those flicks that i remember not liking like when it first came out but over the years every time i revisit it i like it a little bit more uh so take with do with that what you will but uh so i thought that was kind of exciting and the other bit of news real quick is so famous monsters of Filmland. if you know that name that phrase that brand uh it was a magazine that ran okay for decades you know it goes back to i don't know the 60s i want to say uh that that was like the uh, film met it just was articles about monster movies and stuff like that and horror movies that ran for a long time went out of business well the magazine folded because you know print is dead or whatever uh and it still exists as like a brand like i have a famous monsters of Filmland t-shirt you can buy you know t-shirts and merchandise still but they've struggled as a company in recent years but the lead singer of the band slipknot Corey taylor who is a talking Love head him. in the uh nice. you know uh, what are those? So in Search of Darkness. Yeah, in yes. the In Search of Darkness uh, things. And he's a producer on those, but he's a giant uh, horror movie mega fan. So with his, uh, you know, all that money he's made as a rock star, he gets to throw it around in cool shit like uh, horror stuff. So he bought Famous Monsters of Filmland oh. uh, and he's going to relaunch it as a full-blown publication again. Uh, and uh, they're planning to produce movies. Wow, that's so, fun. I'm like, that is fucking sick. And I love uh, Corey Taylor. So uh, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, I hope he's in them and not wearing clothes. That's like my dream. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, if you were a Slipknot fan, you might have caught that back in the day. Because I know that used to be a thing at shows sometimes was he would just be naked on stage. I'm somewhere. suddenly into Slipknot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's, it's happened in the past. So So fucking cute. He just seems very nice, too. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be a pretty solid dude from what Love I hear. That. I don't know. I know the metal community people like to like make fun of him because he chimes in on like every news thing in like the rock and metal world where they're like, but what does Corey Taylor think? Because he chimes in on everything. <laughs> but he's he seems like a solid dude from what I hear. And fans say he's a cool guy. So well, that's awesome. And did you read about Shelley Duvall? She's coming back. She's coming back. Hello, I'm Shelly Duvall. Yeah, I saw I saw an article. It just said Shelly Duvall. And I'm like, no, did she pass? That's what I was know, my, right? sadly my first thought. And yeah, but I saw that she's coming back. So cool. She is coming back. So excited. Forest Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I fucking love her. So I'm excited yeah. for her. Very. Me too. Did you finish the 101 Scariest Movie Moments on Shudder? Uh, I have just the last episode to watch the top 10 now. Yeah, I remember being surprised by it. I'm kind of, I, I feel a little shocked too, because I've seen a couple things slip out here or there where there are movies that are like way lower. Or like even just watching it right now, I've seen some movies pop up way lower that I thought for sure would be top 10 yeah. material where I was like, whoa, what's going on here? So I'm wondering what I'm going to see <laughs> in all of the top 10. Well, when you finish it, let's talk. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, this is the time where you assign me a movie I've not seen before. What shall it be? So I did a little stalking on your uh, letterboxd and I saw (laughs) in your, you know, want to watch movies. Something jumped out at me that I was like, oh, I forgot that he has. I forgot that I have those on there. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, I forgot that he hasn't seen that. And, you know, it's a movie I like to watch around Halloween. Uh, so we'll be getting it in. You guys will be hearing it. It'll be your little Halloween hangover, but, um, it's seasonally appropriate right now. Uh, I'm a little hesitant cause I love it just flat out. I love it so much. It's going to be, it's going to be weird if you hate it, but, uh, I'm giving you young Frankenstein. Oh, fun. Yeah. I've never seen it. And I, I, it is a want to watch. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I mean, I, it's Mel 
Brooks, I think. You are correct. Okay. Um, so it's Mel Brooks. So I know it's just kind of silly and fun. And I think just uh, Gene Wilder, mm-hmm. Gilda Radner. Mm, no. no. Okay. Um, some funny woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, if you you know anything about Mel Brooks, when you watch it, it's all his usual. Yeah. Know, I thought all... that was her, but there's it's another woman and I don't know why it's slipping my mind, but yeah, yeah. you'll remember when you see it. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of actors that work with him repeatedly in it. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just me, a, a silly take on Frankenstein. I don't know how much it will, I think more off the film than like the original source material. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I know Gene Wilder's gonna be amazing because he is. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'm, I'm praying you love it because <laughs> it'll be rough to talk. About. It's very near and dear to me. It's like one of those uh, my my parents. It's like both of them one of their all time favorite movies. So I grew up, you know, with it, and it's it's one of those movies that's shorthand in the Rusk household where we can just say lines from it, and everyone knows what's going on and gets it. So. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And I am giving you, uh, keeping in line with my brand new films that are just coming out on streaming services, Barbarian. <laughs> I knew I knew it. I knew you were going to get Barbarian. I was so hoping you hadn't watched it this week. <laughs> I held off. I saw it on HBO and I was like, I really need to watch this. And I was like... I was like, no, I bet he's going to give it to me as the next <laughs> selection. So I held off. I'm so excited to watch this. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to watch it again. A long con. I really want my husband to watch it. So I'm like, well, if I have to rewatch it, maybe I can get him to watch it. Yeah, but he I'm said just, he would. So I'm just hearing such great stuff about it. Um, I've seen some split reaction in that, like, like on Letterboxd, people I follow. Some people are kind of like, I think, put off by it. Much hmm. like Terrifier 2, I think it's going to be one of those ones where either like you're on board for whatever this twisted journey is, or you're kind of repulsed by the movie. Uh, and you're like, it was okay. But I think that means those people were uncomfortable. That's what I'm reading in reviews and stuff I see is that, oh, you were uncomfortable with how like fucking weird this movie got. So that's why you're like, it was just okay. So I'm, I, man. What I hope- do you know of it? Uh, all I know is everyone keeps telling me it's set in Detroit. So I'm like, <laughs> cool. Cause all the twisted stuff has to happen in Detroit. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um, I just know the, the plot, the setup, cause that's what they showed in the trailers and all that was the, uh, people are double booked at an Airbnb, uh, and something else is going on. So I'm assuming there's some sort of, uh, uh, twisted uh disturbing you know there's an ulterior motive to them being doubled booked at the place i bet uh and i know all the imagery shows her her opening a basement door so i'm hoping for some kind of like cool some old dark house shit like who knows what's going on down there uh maybe some lucio fulci like house by the cemetery (laughs) who knows who knows what's in that basement but i'm sure it's not good (laughs) it's barbaric and i know justin long's in it yep and i love i am in the justin long fan club so how could you not be i'm so excited like he's he's one too like can we call him a scream king yeah i I think he's done enough horror now that he he qualifies by the way so he, he is a scream king uh for sure all right well let's watch these flicks and come back and talk about them yeah yeah don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative and as many of you know this is the half where we talk about the movies. <laughs> and if you don't know, now you do. Now you do. Hopefully you'll keep coming back. So first up, I suppose, is me with the Mel Brooks classic, Young Frankenstein. Yes. That tagline is the scariest comedy of all time. Uh, and the letterbox description is, a young neurosurgeon inherits the castle of his grandfather, the famous Dr. Victor von Frankenstein. In the castle, he finds a funny hunchback 
a pretty lab assistant and the elderly housekeeper. Young Frankenstein believes that the work of his grandfather was delusional, but when he discovers the book where the mad doctor described his reanimation experiment, he suddenly changes his mind. That's a description. Yeah, it's a lot, but you know. Now you call it a classic? Yes. I would agree. Good. (laughs) I'm so glad. I mean, I don't remember when I watch all those um, monster movies, the old school universal ones. I feel that was like shortly before we started the podcast. Yeah. So like two years ago, like probably exactly. It was like shortly after the pandemic hit and we had a week off from work because they were like, what the fuck are we going to (laughs) do? And so we had a week off work and that's when I watched like four of them. And I definitely wouldn't appreciate this as much without having watched Frankenstein, obviously. Yeah, obviously. And there's something in like the opening credits that says something about them, like reusing some of like the actual set pieces. Yeah, they did get the props from Universal for the laboratory. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's just it is such a delight. I've seen a couple other Mel Brooks films. I've seen Blazing Saddles Mm -hmm. and The History of Life, right? History of the World. History of the World. Thank you. I've seen those two and they're both fine. Like I would watch them over, sorry, Monty Python any day. Not that they're like one and the same. They're obviously not, but they're both silly and, you know, whatever. Like I prefer this sort of humor as opposed to maybe a British sentiment when it comes to like silliness. Mm-hmm. But like in particular, watching this was just so fun. Like it reminded me of like the silly plays I've done with like the people at like my theater. Like Mm -hmm. they, you could just tell. And it's like such like a a thing we always say people say to you when they don't really like a show, when they don't think it's very good. As I say, it looks like you were all having a lot of fun up there. Uh (laughs) But like it does look like they're having a lot of fun up there. (laughs) Yeah. My, my understanding was like the bulk of this movie is ad-libbed. They did like a million, well, they had a script, but they did like many, many takes of every scene because people were just uh, improvising and coming up with new ways to deliver. And in fact, Mel Brooks said he never wanted filming to end because they were having so much fun doing it. So like a lot of what's in the movie is just stuff that happened off the cuff or after doing several takes, they're like, what if I try it this way and came up with something goofy? So yeah, it was definitely a collaborative and uh, improvisational uh, filming style. And I mean, normally women are my jam wherever it is, acting, music, whatever, like I'm drawn to the female performers. And here it's like no exception, like Terry Garr and Cloris Leachman and um, uh, freaking Madeline Kahn. Like they're so good, mm-hmm. but the guys are equally as awesome here. Like yeah. I don't, I, I don't think one sex outweighs the other. I think that they're both like all just like on the same par. But I was like, how is that guy that plays Igor? I'm like, mm-hmm. how do they get his eyes like that? <laughs> and then as I'm looking at pictures, I'm like, his eyes were like that. Yeah, that is what I'm he ne- looks how like. Have I've never seen him before. Like you definitely couldn't forget him. I feel like this must be the only thing I've ever seen him in. Yeah, I want to, uh, Marty, uh, Feldman. Uh, Feldman. Um, and he worked with Mel Brooks a couple of times, I believe. Okay, he yeah, he was in this and then he was in Silent Movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marty Feldman was a, a, a British comedian, so that's probably why too, because I think he was mostly in UK films. Uh, and that's like where his career was really big over there, so... But I mean, what a trip he is. And I he died when he was 48. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, tragically so young. Tragically young. Um, and yeah, he's he's one of those, like his wit is just amazing. Like the line delivery. Uh, that's just a gift uh, throughout the movie. And, and, and everybody, everybody's firing on all cylinders in this uh, in this flick. And I've never been so turned on by Gene Wilder. Like, he's so hot in this movie. Like, his eyes are just, like, stunning. I don't know if it's the black and white that just brings his eyes out even more. I don't know if he's wearing, like, some eye makeup and because of the black and white. But I, every time he was on, I was just like, oh, my God. This so is beautiful. Like, this is, like, peak Gene Wilder, this movie. Oh, peak. Um, uh, Peter Boyle is amazing as the monster. So good. Um, he, he does such a great 
riff on what Karloff had done, but also uh, really playing into the like, you know, the stereotype, like the uh, the popular culture image of the monster and playing with that a bit, but then also having fun (laughs) with it. Yeah, and I loved, you know, just all the little things that call back to the original film as opposed to, like, the story. But, like, the little girl, not that the little girl doesn't happen in the book, but, like, you could just mm-hmm. tell there were all these very direct homages to the film, which w- just made it, like, so fun. Yeah. And there were just so many things, like, I kept rewinding just to, like, rewatch. And also there's, like, they do, like, an elbow bump in the beginning of the train station. And I'm like, oh, my God, before it's time, way before it's time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um... And an amazing comedic turn from an actor you rarely ever saw get to do this, Gene Hackman, uh, as the old man in the cottage. Oh, my God. I did not even put it together. Most people don't even realize that's Gene Hackman. But I, wow. I think he, I think he was uncredited as well. So I don't think his name is in the credits. But, yeah, the old man, the blind old man at the cottage was Gene Hackman. Um, and, and apparently that happens because he said he wanted to... Uh, he always wanted to dabble in comedy, uh, like be in some kind of screwball comedy and give it a shot. And uh, Mel Brooks had known people that knew his people. And they were like, would you like to show up and shoot for a day with us doing this? Um, and apparently the line at the end there, which is one of my favorites, where he goes, where are you going? I was going to make espresso. Like that was <laughs> that take was off the cuff. He added that line at the end. And apparently it's cut so tight because everyone started laughing on set. Um, and that was the best take <laughs> they had of that. So that's the one that's in there, but you see the cut happen real fast there. And that's because Mel Brooks apparently lost it. Yeah. I watched a good like eight minute blooper reel on YouTube. That was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. It just, I can't imagine that they weren't just like busting up every single day. It's just so funny. Yeah. Apparently a lot of Cloris Leachman stuff too. Like Mel Brooks found her particularly hilarious and like could not watch her while he was directing because he would lose it all the time. Oh my God. So funny. And just the set pieces are gorgeous and it looks authentically like the film, the original film from the whatever thirties or whatever. Oh, absolutely. You can tell that. um, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, the script originally began as something Gene Wilder was writing himself uh, and then thought it would be, he thought of Mel Brooks as like, I want him to direct it. And then they came to collaborate and make the movie. But both of them were absolute universal monsters, like fans, like Mel Brooks. will talk about his favorite movies are like the original Frankenstein uh, and like the Karloff Frankenstein movies. And in fact, a lot of this movie directly lifts the plot of son of Frankenstein which was the sequel to Bride of Frankenstein and the last time Karloff played the monster. But like the the um, uh, the constable with the missing arm, mm-hmm. that is literally a character from Son of Frankenstein. Gene Wilder is sort of based on, like in Son of Frankenstein, the son has a son who's a little boy with a hairstyle, which is how Gene Wilder did his hair in this movie. So there's like a this idea that uh, he's supposed to be the grown-up version of the little kid from that movie. So, it, it, and I think they even gave him the same name as the character from *Son of Frankenstein*. So, there's a lot of deep reference to the older Universal movies. And on top of all that, the poster is fucking great. And it's gorgeous. It's like so one of gorgeous. the. I I I think it's one of my all-time favorite movie posters. And it reminds me of my. I remember seeing it in the video store. No interest in watching it. But I just remember seeing it and being like, oh, that's so fun. And I I know that the original sound bite of It's Alive is famous, but I also think this one I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I hear the Gene Wilder version often as well. Yeah, I think this movie is kind of, uh, even though it is a comedy, it's become a classic Frankenstein adaptation in its own right. So... And Madeline, I mean, like I said, I think all the women are so funny, but Madeline Kahn just has such a unique style to her. Yes. That's just unlike anyone else. Like, I find the other two are very funny, but they're sort of like, you're the ingenue and you're the kooky old lady. But like, Madeline Kahn is just like this enigma, I find. I find her choice is so original. Her yeah. The way she speaks is so unique. And I just... God, she's like when she was gone in the beginning, I'm like, she's got to come back. Like, she's got to come back. So yeah. I'm glad she came back and like, and then some, like, because she really, 
like just has so so much great content and like that last whatever 20 minutes or so that she's yeah. in that. And Madeline Kahn is like, she's both. She's an ingenue and a kooky old lady at the same time. Like that's what I think makes her so unique is like in most roles she did, she somehow was able to uh, combine, you know, usually they make you pick one. You have to be one of these things. And she's like, no, I'm going to be all of it, like all the time. So, and it just works. I think one of the earliest episodes of my husband's podcast, Three Funny Ladies, go check it out, was Madeline, they did Madeline Kahn. And I remember they used this clip or Joe showed me this clip from the very end. Mm -hmm. I think maybe they put it on like their Instagram. Cause I, when we got to it, I was like, Oh my God, I've seen this. I didn't realize it's like almost the closing shot from the movie. Yeah. Right (laughs) at the very end. So funny. I love how they bring in the bride of Frankenstein with her hair. Yes. Just, yeah, it is just, it's so, there's so much like heart to it. You can tell that it's made as a love letter to the original film or films. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, everyone is just having a blast and you're having a blast along with them. It's not one of those things where it feels mass masturbatory. How do you say that word? Masturbatory. <laughs> it's a hard word to say. I love saying the word masturbation, but masturbatory. Like yeah. you, it doesn't feel at all like that. And it yeah. feels like something that they did what they wanted to do. The studio was either hundred percent behind it or they were like, you can do what you want to do. We don't care. Cause it didn't feel like it had been fucked with. In a yeah, way that it feels they got what like they wanted to do. It's it's the vision of the team making it. And as much as it's a Mel Brooks movie, like anytime you read about them talking about the movie, they really play up the collaboration aspect of it. So it was like everybody's movie that was involved. So that's a cool way to make art. When was the first time you saw this? Do you remember? Were you like very young? Very young to the point where I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I was probably under the age of 10. Um, and this was like I said, this was a this is a favorite of my parents. They both love this movie. So it was something where I got a little older and could appreciate comedy. And I think they were like, watch this. And yeah, I was into the monster aspect of it. Um, over time, I started to get more of the nuances of the humor and the jokes. So yeah, I've been watching this. Probably seen it a hundred times, like literally easily. It's so interesting because like I remember, I mean, Terror in the Isles is how I got into a lot of things. And my dad had taped that off HBO, which is why I saw it, because we had the videotape of it. And I can remember some other scary movies that he would watch occasionally. But like there, I don't think he ever had that draw to like the classic monster movies, because if he had when he knew I liked scary movies, it feels like he would have tried to show them to me when yeah. I was young because I watched these horror movies when I was so young. Mm-hmm. And so it's so I, I'm going to have to ask him about it. Cause I'm like, I'm so curious if he just never liked them, if they didn't speak to him. And therefore that's why maybe they didn't speak to me because I wasn't exposed to them Yeah, or, or like, what the fuck? Like what the fuck dad? Yeah. I, I, I'd be interested to know. Cause both of my parents were like monster kids to some degree. Cause that's why I know the classics because they had those growing up and were fans of those. So when all of a sudden as a little kid, I was like, I think monsters are cool. Like show me monster stuff. That's, you know, what they were able to give to me like, Oh, here's the original Wolfman or here's this, you know, for uh, you to see. And I loved all those. So how many times do you think you've seen this movie? Oh, gotta be. <sighs> I mean, if we were to include, all the times that it's just been on TV and we've like put it on passively in the background too and watched it. It's probably hundreds, easily That's hundreds. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. it can only get better the more you watch it. Like just considering some of the lines that happen that I would just hit the 10 seconds back and rewatch. Good, watch it again. Like, yeah. yeah, I am just like, a, and I would, it would be so great to see this in a theater with a bunch of people, which I'm oh, sure yeah. still happens like at the Redford I'm Theater sure. out here in Michigan. That I've never done, but I would love to see it. Yeah, because it would in be a, so fun with a full audience. Yeah, in a theater. Um, I always quote, I think probably my favorite line, it's pretty simple, but I say it all the time at work. It has so many applications. But when Igor is like, could be worse, could be raining. And then it starts pouring on them like while they're <laughs> robbing the grave. And I'm like, I say that to people all the time. Could be worse, could be raining. I loved when they were playing charades. That was just so fun. Like he's like yeah. getting like strangled by the monster or whatever. And they're Set like, a gift. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my favorite was a little girl flying. I thought that was hilarious. And also <laughs> when Madeline Kahn sees Frankenstein's like big old penis and she mm-hmm. says, woof, because that's, <laughs> Whether you may or may not know it, that's what the the gay bear scene uses as like a, ooh, that's hot. 
Woof. And that's that's how it came across to me with her saying that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you think they took it from this movie? I think they did. Maybe like they didn't realize they did, but they did. Someone mm. knew. Some yep. horror loving homo knew that he got it from this because that means like, woof, that is a big cock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I loved how that comes back around in the end. So he's, he's going to be very popular. <laughs> it is just, it was just a delight. I got to say, and I truly, I mean, I went into it open-minded, but even like a couple minutes in, I was kind of like, Hmm, I don't know, but it did not take long for me to totally thaw and just like, gush all over it yeah i feel like i I felt like you would like this one because i know in the past you'd been like i'd seen a couple mel brooks movies and they didn't really do anything for me but like this is the one it's stand it's this is it this is the masterpiece that mel brooks did like i don't even think his his other comedies i enjoy them enough this is so much better than all of them so and Joe asked me about Robin Hood Men in Tights, which I've seen bits of because isn't there a mole that moves around? Mm-hmm. I seem to remember a mole. And isn't there something in this too where he's like, was that in the same place before oh, on your face? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Cloris Leachman's mole moves around. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, like a re- like a motif. I, I Gore's hump changes sides throughout Thank the you. movie. That's uh, so yeah, funny. There's a lot of little things like that. I think the... Uh, the uh, police chief's arm changes, like which arm is supposed to be. Yeah. So like, yeah, they're having a lot of fun. Yeah. A repeat um, reward, reward, repeat reward, or that's a hard one to say. Mm-hmm. Rewards upon repeat. Um, I'm glad you loved it. Yeah. So this is you gave this, it to me. This one was a risky maneuver. It was. <laughs> for me. It's always hard to give you the ones that I hold with such esteem because... <laughs> Sometimes there's no reason. It's just purely nostalgia that you love certain things. So when other people don't have it, it can be risky. But it's true. It's true. So if you, unless you have anything else to add, I don't. Just I loved it. Um, I'm gonna say out of uh, five uh, unlit candelabras, um, because so every time. None of the candles are lit in that damn <laughs> candelabra that Frau Blucher's so carrying funny. around, which I, that's another one of my favorite gags. But out of five unlit candelabras, how many do you give it? I'll give it four and a half. Nice. I go the full five with full this five, one. Full five, baby. Full five. It's been a minute since I've done that. So Yeah, well, there is a big fat. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. So fat. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> if somehow you are like my co-host and you have not seen this movie, uh, do yourself a favor. Yeah, because we haven't ruined a thing. You could talk about it all day long and it does not even yeah. get in there to seeing these like total 100% masters of comedy mm-hmm. perform everything that they do. Yeah, never gets old. So Never gets old. So check it out. Check it out. All right, so my film that I gave to you is a recent one from 2022, directed by Zach Kreger. And the tagline is, some stay for a night, some stay for a week, some never leave. And I'll use the very short first IMDb description, which is, a woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. Awesome. So if you haven't watched this, just fucking leave, okay? Yeah, you gotta leave. <laughs> that's all you need to know, because that's all I knew about going into it, and pretty much all Jeremy knew. Yeah, and it's really hard. It's gonna be real hard to talk about this thing without some mild spoilers <laughs> at the very least. So, um, if you want to go in totally surprised... HBO Max, go check it out. It, yeah, jump to HBO Max, skip this, and just watch the movie, then come back and hear what we have to say about it. Um, yeah. it this movie is so fucking good. So fun, right? Yes, I loved this. It's, you know, like, what, it's sad. I watched with my husband like I wanted to. And afterwards, I could just tell that shaking leg happened. I could just tell. And I was like, so what would you think, Matt? And he was like, ugh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so fun. <laughs> Which is like, I don't even understand because I'm like, this movie is perfect. Like, this was made for my sensibilities and my tastes. Um, it's incredible. It's and the acting is so good. Oh my god, I think that Georgina Campbell is just stunning, mm-hmm. gorgeous. I have some, I take some slight because for a while, what she's doing, you're like, okay, you are smart, you are a smart person, you're doing the things that you, when you're watching a horror movie, you're yelling at the characters to do, and then that goes a little bit off, like you know, 
okay, well, now she's doing things. She's going in this place. She's going in that place where it's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Run. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like in her defense, too, because I literally I know there's a scene where, uh, again, like before she noped out of a situation, I'm like, correct answer. <laughs> but she's presented with essentially the same situation again. But this time with the added caveat of she knows somebody needs help. Mm hmm. And I think that's like, okay, I can go with that because I feel like I might throw aside my own self-preservation if I yes, and knew somebody again, needed spoiler, my help. Spoilers, spoilers, if you haven't left by now, HBO Max, go check it out. But she, <laughs> he could have been luring her. That's the mm -hmm. thing, like watching it with Joe, no, he 100% thought Bill Skarsgård was bad was like, you know, gonna hurt her. That's what's his whole plan. Cause it's set up so perfectly. Yeah. Like you hundred percent think that, and then you sort of soften on him a little bit. And then I think in that moment though, I would be like, oh no. Like, why would he have gone down that second set of stairs? Like, no, no. Mm -hmm. Like he's trying to lure her down there. So that's what I'm like, yes, he's calling for help, but also, but maybe she just, you know, wanted that dick, so. Well, I mean, and again, this could be me as a uh, white man uh, thinking about how, like, I didn't buy him as a threat at all. Like, I totally knew, like, nope, this is a, this, he's too much, he's playing it too much like a, a like a hipster nerd. Like, he's not going to be a threat. I didn't think. And in that scene, too, I know it's designed, like you're saying, to possibly be like, maybe he's luring her. But I'm like, no, nah, I don't buy it. Like, I buy the reality of the situation was he went down there with the unearned confidence of a white man. Just like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I don't need any help. And walked right into a situation that he was not prepared for. And did you read any of the IMDb trivia? No. So Zach Krager read this book called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. And mm. it's all about trusting your intuition, um, especially um, when it comes to women with like um, obviously dangerous men. So he created this like short film about a woman who continuously like ignores a mounting series of red flags. And he liked it so much that he wanted to make like a full feature. Mm. So that's sort of where the idea sort of all spawned from. But it almost feels like he took that concept and really made a smart character in Tess because she like does things. She is cautious. And I, I love that conversation where she's like, if, if our roles would have been reversed, this would have been so different because she's right. Like, and it, it, the whole movie, I think, plays a lot on that, like what happens to women versus men and how society treats them and how they treat each other. Like, I think that that is sort of like the underlying theme and it's shown in multiple different ways. It's like in different factors. It's not like all situations are the same, but I just think it explores that sort of dichotomy or whatever mm -hmm. men yeah. versus women <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah no there is some straight up battle of the sexes there's some family dynamic shit going on here in a perverse way absolutely but yeah it, it's just it, it knowing a little bit about zach Kreger, uh, i think yeah tell me what you know because you know we, more than i do we discussed that he was part of the comedy troupe the whitest kids you know um and this movie feels like at times they went the dark route. And th this is one of those movies that really made me think how comedy and horror sit side by side often. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not talking like horror comedy, but I think it's why horror comedy works so well when you actively blend the two because they have similar impulses, um, especially when it comes to the absurd. But um, this was a movie that if they injected some absurdist humor, like more uh, blatant humor, this would have been a whitest kids, you know, sketch because they, many of their sketches were very dark and twisted, but still actively humorous. But I could see this becoming like, had it had the players from that comedy troupe, like doing this for comedic uh, effect. Yeah. This would have been totally one of their sketches, like on their, uh, uh, on their YouTube, you know, shorts and stuff that they did. Um, but instead he went more the, the dark and kept it in the horror. So it's not surprising this came out of his brain is where I like, cause for some people it seems jarring when somebody again, like Jordan Peele, mm -hmm. someone goes from a purely comedic world and then jumps into like straight horror. But again, I don't know. It, it's not that shocking to me because they're so related. They're about timing. They're about atmosphere uh, and delivery. So if you got one down, you can probably do the other. And, you know, I've had, I think that, 
Christian over on It's Only a Podcast was really curious what we would think of it because we're from Detroit. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like, hey, are you offended? But like, how did you feel about all of that? Like in regards to what it sort of says about Detroit and some neighborhoods and things like that. What were your thoughts? I mean, it felt like, you know, (laughs) there are neighborhoods like that. Yes. yes. Like they do exist. So it did feel authentic uh, to portions of Detroit. And there are neighborhoods that are gentrifying with, you know, people coming in and rebuilding them. So this felt like a real commentary on, uh, and, and and this is not just a it's not a Detroit specific phenomenon. It's happening in uh, in uh, Rust Belt, you know, industrial cities all over that uh, gentrification versus urban blight. Um, so I, I think it, it had something to say a little bit about that. And uh, I don't know. I was for it. You yeah, know, it felt uh, authentic. Aren't there some like underground tunnely things in like this area? I know that there are between like some of the hospitals or the the Ford buildings. Yeah, I know in some of the suburbs there were, and those were between like yeah hospitals. I know there was a uh, uh, an asylum, a uh, mental institution that was in Northville, and that has tunnels underneath it because they connected to like um, the police, you know, like jail and stuff, because so they could transfer dangerous patients and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there. The Metro Detroit area is littered with tunnels. Like, there's a hole underground. <laughs> yeah. So it did not. I wasn't at all offended because, like you, I felt, yeah, this is not too far off the beaten path. I mean, you don't see a neighborhood that's like totally trash and like one nice house. But I liked the the vibe of that. I thought that that was like part of that humor, like yes. in a way, like sort of saying like, oh, here's this neighborhood that's total trash. But guess what? There was this one guy with a lot of money who. And if you saw that on Airbnb, you wouldn't even think. About it. It'd be like all the other houses are like that. So it's like very clever to be like, oh, I'm going to keep this house and, you know, rent it out when I'm not there. And also the fact that, you know, it's just I love how it also plays on expectations. Like mm-hmm. Joe was just like so sure that Bill Skarsgård was like going to be, you know, a bad guy because it's like you start to sort of soften on him. And of course, he's going to turn around and be bad, especially after watching Fresh, where you so know where that's going. Yeah. And here. It's just sort of, you're like, oh, here's where it's going. And then it's like, oh, oh, nope, now we're going there. And all of a sudden we're to Justin Long and we're in this other story. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And every one of those twists is an, oh my fucking God, what is happening? Like, they're not, <laughs> they aren't little twists. They're all big twists. So it's like, holy crap, what a what a well-written, you know, story. Everything oh, is swings shocking. hard. Everything is shocking. Like, every reveal is absolutely um, I think you're fucking lying if you said you knew where it was going because all of them are big swings. And like we said in the first part, well, like you said, the Scream King himself, Justin Long, Justin is Long. so fucking good. I love him, especially here when he's being a trash person. Like, <laughs> because it's he's just... normally so nice. I like he comes. Yeah. I mean, he just seems like such a nice guy. I guess in Tusk, he's kind of a tool, yep. but like he just seems like a nice guy. Like he can play that so well. Mm-hmm. So to have him play a douchebag, to break so type great. and be total trash person, I love it. Unbelievably he's... so. And he's great. He's just great. Oh, so. He's. I mean, they're also good. And Bill Skarsgård also. I'm just like. Oh my God, it's he's so he plays creepy so often that yeah. when he's just like this normal guy, you're like, oh my God, you're so cute. You have a sweet smile and just you seem lovely. And he's becoming a scream king too. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Between this and Castle Rock and, and the it. it movies. Yeah. And he's going to be Nosferatu in Robert Eggers' is Nosferatu. Oh. And I didn't realize this until recently. He's the crow in the new version of The Crow. Oh my God. Yep. So yeah, he's a scream, scream king. Yep. yep. I love it. Um, And Joe was like, why is it called barbarian? And I don't really know. Um, I I caught it. It's set on Barbary street. Well, yes, that is correct. There is that. And also the exact address is 476, which also credit to IMDb trivia. I guess the year 476 was when the barbarians invaded Rome. Mm. But David Kreger says that that was totally unintentional. And just coincidence. Okay. Also, this is the fun thing from the trivia that I like is that the all of the letters in Airbnb are in the title. Oh, <laughs> they are, aren't they? That's and I'm awesome. surprised that they were able to use to say Airbnb. Airbnb. I'm surprised yeah. that they were able to do that and have it be like this thing where it's like a really fucked up situation that you would rather not find yourself in. You'd For like sure. to not find yourself in. For sure. 
but also like listen to women, okay? Listen yeah. to women. The other thing I really love is like there's these texts from like her ex or current boyfriend, whatever, this Marcus guy never comes into play again. Just you're seeing that she's sort of like, ugh, this guy is driving me crazy. I don't want to talk to him. And that's what it is. It sort of gives you a feeling for her and that she's dealing with crap with guys already. Like, yeah. again, it just sort of plays into like how men treat women and how, I don't know, what, what women have to put up with in a way. Sure. And I feel like from a male director and writer. And I think to some degree, it's a misdirection as well. Because mm. I think it totally mm-hmm. makes you think there's some backstory that's going to be like, this might come into play later. And it doesn't. So mm-hmm. also uh, the second movie um, we've watched where like the creepy monster is played by a man. <laughs> because mm-hmm. <laughs> in smile it was a very similar thing the yep. the mother and that was played by a guy and the guy matthew patrick davis who played the mother here um he went to see a screening and like there were all these people like freaking out you know in the movie and then afterwards like one of them like looked at him and, like somehow recognized him apparently and like freaked the fuck out and like ran away oh wow but yeah he's very good he's very good and i think he's like one of my friends was telling me they heard an interview with him i think he's like six eight or something oh wow like, oh, okay. He is like a monster of a person, like just as far as like being very tall. What an amazing character he played in this. Like, I, you know, I love it. it's And awesome. Nico, friend of the podcast, sent me this. Um, uh, the, the film studio was sending out like promo gifts or whatever they're called to people. Yeah. And, and one of them was like this giant bottle with like hairs sticking out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Which reminded me of um don't breathe with like yeah. the the insemination thing with like the pube in it yeah. like, it has that similar vibe of like oh uh, yeah. <laughs> like add a hair in it and it's yeah. just disgusting oh it's just great and the, the overall vibe like i think i really gelled with this because this movie feels like an urban legend that i've grown up hearing so much come to life like especially in i, I feel like all neighborhoods um it, definitely in the metro detroit area there's plenty of stories of like that house something horrible's in that house. Like don't hang around here. Don't go near there. Cause something bad uh, lives in there. So, you know, it just felt like one of those just expanded into an awesome movie. And the thing for me that really like helps is that I feel it really sticks the landing. Like those last couple minutes I think are so perfect. Like, cause I'm like, what's happening here? What's, and then the way the the things, the way things go with Justin Long, that he yep. pushes her off and then that the mother saves her and then that she kills him. And then that, that she kills the mother. Like, I just like all of those, like, myriad of things that happen in like a two or three minute window at the Incredible. very end are just that final so shot good. of just, and then it's over. I don't know. Oh, amazing. Oh, spoke so to me. God. This movie spoke to me very hard. So <laughs> I was all about it. Well, do you have anything else to say? No. All right. Well, out of five giant hairy baby bottles, I give it a five. <gasps> you give it a five? <laughs> I give it a five. I fu- I'm not lying when I said I fucking loved this. Like, this was incredible. I don't know how I slept on it when it came out. Wow. Well, I gave it a four when I saw it in the theaters. I'm going to keep with a four. I I, okay. I really like it. I'm not going to go yep. quite a five, but I am thrilled. You had a two five-star movie, two Jeremy. Two five-star movies, and I feel good about it. Here we are. One more. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. So see Barbarian. Come on, guys. See Barbarian. Oh, my gosh. You, I dare you to see it. But now if you've listened to everything we said, it kind of sucks, but yeah, but still, I <laughs> but dare you to watch it. So good. My husband. Sorry, Joe. That's that's sad. Yeah, I can't even understand like why you would not like this. I, I cannot. I lack the mental. This was it feels like it was made in a Petri dish for me to enjoy. So I don't I can't even I lack the mental acuity to understand how you would not love this. So good. And Zach Krager, make more scary movies because so good. Hell yeah. So good. All right. Well, awesome. Well, everybody, you know. Thanks for listening. Write us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram. And by golly, we can't wait to be yeah. back again. And remember, guys, evil dies tonight. And look up. It's in the skies. <laughs> it's in that? the trees. It's in the trees. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was going for. Yeah. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. That's right. Bye. Uh... <laughs> Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.